Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You are listening to the Texas Podcast Massacre. I am indeed one of your hosts, Tank Rodriguez. Alongside of us via Zoom, we have our other... Okay, James is... <laughs> I know you can't see us, ladies and gentlemen, but James is making a funny face and I just had to laugh at it. So we'll go with him last. Uh, obviously, we have Dirty Derek next to us. How are you doing today, sir? Good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing... I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm laughing at James's funny faces too. Um, <laughs> he's, my he's, face. he's, 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 he's rubbing his nose like he's got a 1980s uh, uh, white pony problem. <laughs> I like that China white. No, oh, <laughs> that white well, girl. You, you did say that uh, yeah, yo. <laughs> you did say right before uh, we started recording, y'all. You made me some of coke. So uh, <laughs> I did, that's, I, and that's a that's a waste. Hey, really quick, I know yeah. it's not unrelated, but I have to share a story with you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> regarding that, um, uh, so back in the day, you know, um, your 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 colleague, your friend, uh, did dabble in the drugs, uh, <laughs> and uh, one day we we are sharing a, uh, a, a a plate of you know coke, and it drops right. And uh, a relative of mine, I will not say who, um, was so addicted. Uh, granted, he's clean now. We're all clean. Um, was so addicted, he sniffed it out of the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> that's gross. I tell you, that's gross, brother. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. T- I thought you were gonna be like in the in the glass broke, and he still started it anyways. Oh man, you might as well if you're doing that. <laughs> I just think of like all the dog hair and all the. That's it. Yep. Say hello, Chino. And of course, <laughs> right? And of course, we got Jim, Jamothy, Dean. How you doing? Hey, what's up? Okay, Jamothy, James, Dean. You're not Jim. I'm sorry. It's fine. All right. It's fine. I'm doing. I'm doing okay. I'll I'll leave it at that. Not okay. hasn't been the best week for me, but we'll leave it there. Okay, well, that's okay because it's about to get better because we're we're doing this podcast and that always yeah absolutely always makes things Ab- makes things better. Absolutely. So, um, just to start off, we are going to be talking about serial killers. Um, so just in case if you are interested in that, go and stay tuned. But before we get into it, we're going to ask the guys what exactly they've been watching. So, fellas. Oh my God. Timothy or, Doc, or Dirty Derek. What so much this week. Um, have you been watching? So funny thing, um, up until Saturday, I had it in my mind <laughs> that we were, we were talking about witches. I don't know why. I think it was just because we talked, we said it. Um, so I, I watched a couple of like kind of witchy movies. Uh, and then I also watched uh, a movie called uh, In the Vein of our last podcast, which was about uh, Satan, Satanists, de- the devil. Um, I watched a movie called uh, We Summon the Darkness. Um, hmm. I don't uh, know that one. You, like the actress, so, uh, and I'm probably going to mispronounce her name. She was in the Texas Chainsaw 3D. Alexandra Daddario? Yeah, Alexandra Daddario. It takes place in the late 80s. Uh, group of girls or a group of guys like at a heavy metal band uh concert it's supposed to be like you know white steak or guns and roses some shit like that and uh at the same time there's a satanic cult going around that's like killing all these families 
And uh, Johnny Knoxville plays uh, Alexandria Dojardo's dad. He plays this like Baptist preacher, kind of this, uh, you know. Uh, pa pa Pastor John, John Henry Butler. John Henry Butler. <laughs> Give me all your money and I'll save your soul. Um, anyways, uh, so I watched that. Oh, um, Tuesday, it only came out last year. Yeah, it was. it's pretty new. Um, it, oh, yeah, they're... It's good. I already see some of the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say that, like, if you didn't just jump the shark, it, like, rode the shark on the shark's back going through hoops. Like, I was just – Played with like, his taint. The, the second, like, 20 minutes into, you're like, I totally see where this is going. And, yeah. Um, it was – I mean, you know what? It was, it was interesting. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't anything that was like Oscar worthy uh, in horror performances. So I just kept that train going of watching terrible movies. Uh, and I watched uh, the Ginger Dead Man. Um, nice. And I, I watched, thought you said you watched bad movies. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in the vein of what maybe some would consider it. And I watched Killer Bomb. Oh, why did you? I did. I couldn't even make it through Killer Bomb. <laughs> it had shark titties. <laughs> Are you going to watch Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong now? Uh, yes, uh, that's what I meant, Evil Bong. Um, I, I haven't seen it. I mean, there's so many of them. There's like seven. Yeah. I mean, you saw, you saw Ginger Dead Man and then Evil Bong. Yeah. Now you got to watch them go together, you know? like I feel like, am I going to miss anything in the story for the remaining six <laughs> Evil Bong movies? Exactly. Uh, just like, I, yeah, just the idea of like uh, Tommy Chong being in it to be the the heroine. I, it's just, uh, yeah, it's so ridiculous. It was, it was really like, I thought Thanksgiving was bad, but like that was bad on a whole other level. But this was just, this wasn't even like, this was bad thinking it was good. Yeah. Like, which you was know, even worse. I, you know, I felt cheated, honestly. Like, just not enough Gary Busey. You know, like that whole movie, like should have just been him in a yeah. Even in in, in, in the Evil Bond movie too, they they have well. The good, what I thought was kind of interesting was I, I was kind of a an interesting concept. They had like some of the full moon like people. It had, Killer uh, Evil Bond had Bill Mosley in it um, oh, at yeah. some point um, towards the end, but it had like the Ginger Dead Man. It had demonic toys. It had the uh, it had Doll Man. With the guy, did plays. it? Yeah, I remember that in Evil Bong. Yeah, I, 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 I should say he it was the uh, the same guy who plays Doll. Oh yeah, yeah. But he was in that Fulma movie, and he and he finds yeah. the demonic toys. So I had the do, demonic toy clown, the, the Jack in the Box in there. I mean, very poorly done across. And it wasn't Gary Busey playing uh, the Ginger Dead Man, which was even worse. Yeah. But I do feel like I do want to watch the Ginger Dead Man Passion of the Crust. <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, yes. that doesn't exist. It does exist. That's, that's, a, that's a that's a fake. That's a second one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a sequel. Yeah. Passion. Uh, oh. Yeah, my and part three is Saturday Night Cleaver. That. Is, oh <laughs> God! Someone got paid for that. Yeah. That is, yeah. You know, Full, uh, Moon. Full Moon actually just released a coronavirus movie. Did it really? uh, it's the first movie. Uh, Full Moon jumped and made the first. Uh, coronavirus movie, um, uh, but it's like zombies, of course. Uh, apparently, it's it's one of the worst movies ever made. Big shock. So, um, well, you know who else was doing that? Fredo Alvarez, who did the uh, 
Evil Dead movie. He's yeah. in a thing called like Sixteen Saints or something like that, which is also a viral. I'm sure that one will be better. Pandemic. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You'll see. I bet you will see a ton of like once it, everything settles, they'll, they'll release a bunch of pandemic uh, related movies as well. So, where you catch the, the the early train on that one? So, but yeah, so that was my that's my viewing history for the for the past uh, few days. Um, but it was kind yeah. of interesting, anyways. Uh, and I also I've been on a not horror related, but kind of I've been on a been kind of on a Tarantino kick. So I've been watching. Uh, oh, interesting! Uh, I watched a bunch stuff. of Tarantino's this week. Too. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched the. I was start with the Hateful Eight because I realized I actually never finished it. Um, and then I, I went back and I wanted to watch Kill Bill. So, uh, so I watched Volume One, and I still have to watch Volume Two. We should actually it. talk about. Well, you know, on on let's revisit Tarantino. Let's open up. Yeah. Um, uh, our next uh, episode of because uh, there's a lot I want to touch upon because I watched well, it and I've uh, a lot. Of you know what got me prompted is I watched this video about how they're all his all his uh, movies are interconnected. Yeah, which I thought like I I mean I knew it to a degree but like not to the, some of the things they pointed out. So I was like, well, I mean, it was di- I mean you know it started off because even you know. Um, Mr. Blonde is Vincent Vega's brother. Now, well, that's I, I knew that because there was supposed to be uh, a sequel with Michael Marston and uh, and John Travolta. Yeah. yeah, Michael Marston and uh, John Travolta. The, the Vega brothers. Uh, the yeah. Vega brothers. Yeah, years and years ago, and they just never happened. Though I still love to see that. But, um, so I will say this though, um, you know, uh, well, I'll touch upon. You know, I'll wait. I'll save that for. Uh, Going Commando, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that because weirdly, I watched a ton too. Because I, I mean, it started because I, I, I've watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood now like seven times. Uh, I, you know, it was I, I know it got some middling reviews. I think it's one of his best. I, I think the last, really liked it a lot. So. I think the last thirty minutes are one of the <laughs> most enjoyable, fun. No, we'll right. talk about this, anyways. But yeah, I'm Dalton. It's a flamethrower. I mean, it's the best part. Like, I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, Brad Pitt tripping on an acid lace joint, an acid cigarette, or beating the shit out of people. Like, yeah, dude, just, and, yeah. It, and he it, throws that can of dog food at that chick's face. It's oh one of the most. Oh god. Oh, dude, it's it, insane. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, uh, that girl takes a beating. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, um, but yeah, good, good movies though. Yeah, but I, I've definitely been kind of going through them, and um, I think I forget how long though uh, some of his movies are. Like that's. Always, what gets me every time? Like, yeah. it's so fucking long. Like, in, the uncut Inglorious Bastards. Like, it's like almost three hours. So, yeah. Anyways, we'll dig into it. What did you watch this week, Mister James? Well, this is a this week on what we watched is actually uh, the start of a new thing for me. So, um, first wait, off, I'm ready. Wait, wait, wait. Did you finish Game of Thrones? I did. Yes, completely. Holy shit, dude! You were dedicated. Yeah, I mean, I was really that watching is, it nonstop. That is quarantine commitment right there. Yeah, dude. That's um, quarantine goals. Still, still disappointing. You know, I don't, I don't hate the ending as much as I think the vast majority of people. In fact, I am only truly disappointed by the last three episodes. And then even that isn't like, even rewatch. And I think the last sequence, which I think some people had a problem with, which I think is fucking absurd, but I think the very last sequence is one of my favorite sequences in the whole show and it sort of wraps it up and I love all the characters in, involved in that last scene. In fact, there's some of my favorite characters, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I watched it and it's still like, you know, not where I wish it would have gone and I definitely think George R. R. Martins will be 
definitely a more a little more challenging. But anyways, I think the biggest thing is just giving. Let's not talk about Game of Thrones. That's not what this podcast is for. Let's talk about <laughs> some horror. So I did a thing this week. So first off, I'm I'm starting to write things down as I watch them so that I can remember when we come to this podcast. Also, I didn't realize until this week how much I actually watch. Like whether it's you know you even on the background as I'm drawing. Um, but so <clears throat> the other thing that starts this week and is a new thing for this week is that I, every week I'm forcing myself to watch one new horror movie that I have never seen. As I've talked about in this podcast, I do have a tendency to rewatch films that I love, um, which I did plenty of this week as well. But I was like, you know what, let me, and I've, I, you know, I, I routinely watch new horror movies. Um, it's rare that I watch a new horror movie that I'm blown away by, but I still, you know, generally try to watch new horror. But I'm making a point of, of challenging myself every week, starting this week, uh, to watch something maybe I wouldn't normally have watched or sort of dismissed. Um, and that started with a movie I will bring up in a few minutes. But there's a couple of other things I want to talk about before I get there. First off, okay. I want to celebrate the fact that it is the season two and the return of my favorite show on television, What We Do in Shadows. Uh, so the first two episodes of season two are actually streaming right now. Uh, so you can watch the first two episodes. They're really great. If you didn't see the first season, you missed out. But no spoiler. I saw the first season and I am anxiously waiting to watch the first two episodes. Yeah, they're fucking great. Yeah, I mean, it's... the per- Anyways, it's great. So I was excited about that. Um, I watched, uh, I finished the, the last episodes of Cursed. I was going to uh, ask you about that. I wanted to, you know, we talked, because we just talked about this the other day. Uh, number one, I was so excited it was a double episode. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, I want to kind of get your thoughts on that, especially because it was, uh, we talked about the, uh, the Twilight Zone. Yeah. And it's funny, because, like I said, um, <clears throat> so I was a huge, growing up, I was a huge, huge fan of uh, of uh, No, no, no. Oh, I was I'm a huge fan of Twilight Me and my um, actually my whole family, my mom and my twin brother, we we're there. We were all huge Twilight Zone fans. But I was a big fan of um, uh, uh, American Werewolf in, in uh, London. I was a big fan of uh, you know. Uh, Animal House, um, and so John Lennon's. Yeah, so that's what I was getting to. So I don't know if I've told this story on this this podcast before, but when I imagine this comic store, John Lennon's actually came into the, the comic store. Have I told you guys the story on this podcast? Yeah, this is one so. about his annoying child. Yeah. So, anyways, okay. <clears throat> but so you know, at the time, I remember you know I was a huge fan, but you know I was like you know I didn't want to be a nerd, but you know when I met him, he he definitely wasn't like he wasn't mean or anything, you know, he was just very, in fact, like I said, it was more of like, you could tell like, he should have been embarrassed by a stupid ch- kid. Um, and, but that was the vibe I was getting um, anyways, but anyways, but I was always a big fan, but there's something about him that's always sort of kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, a big fan of his work, but this, that documentary really did seem to like point the finger at him in a way that I had never really heard. It was more of a thing of like negligence all the other things I'd heard about, because like I said, I, 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 you know, that was all in the news when I was growing up, you know, that death, and yeah. I've seen a, a, a lot of, you know, um, YouTube videos, and just, you know, many documentaries about what happened there, and they never, nobody ever came right out and pointed the finger at John Landis and said, like, he was a piece of shit, and he just didn't care, and he was, like, they would just use more of, like, 
you know, almost blame the studio and the producers, but having watched that documentary, which, you know, it also, I mean, John Lennon has had every opportunity to appear in that documentary and say aside, and he, of course, turned it down, but definitely didn't paint John Landis in the best light, um, which sort of also sort of explains his piece of shit kid, is that maybe John Landis is a piece of shit, too, and it runs in the family, but uh, and it was kind of depressing, but even though, like, it wasn't anything I didn't know, really, at the end of the day, like, you know, John Landis was the director, he made those decisions, but it was still very depressing. Um, you know, when they showed the footage of him going to... Um, uh, the funeral, Vic uh, Morrow's. Vic Morrow's funeral. You could tell he was broken up about it, but even that, he was—I don't know—it definitely felt, felt like he was kind of passing the buck a little bit. But I don't even know how. Like, I, maybe Vic Morrow's like family would maybe know. understand it, but I do not know how they he in any way, shape, or form like was led into those kids' funerals, like and attended those because, like, I would have thrown his ass out of those. If kids. I was one of the, the dad parents, I would have choked him, like. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I mean, I, you know, it is what it is, man. Like, you know, um, it, there were a few people who were being a little bit more um, generous or a little bit more political and like trying not to put the blame on anybody's shoulders. But the same end of the day, dude, everything that all the decisions led to a pretty, it, it was very clear that a lot of those decisions from a rational point of view would have been very dangerous and that it should have been done on with but it was you know it's very interesting and you know like i said i didn't necessarily learn anything in the way i've learned some things in the other episodes outside of just like i said how much of the responsibility really did lay on john lance's shoulders but uh, i'm curious what did you think i you know it's funny it was very interesting to me to well i guess i want to talk about the crow one first um so i i thought that was also very interesting because both of them took a very interesting take on like negligence, yeah. like on site. So like, I, I had no clue that, or I maybe forgot that Michael Berryman had, I know. was originally slated to be in that movie, which would have been fucking awesome, just throwing that out there. Yes, um, absolutely. But I, I love his, his take on it. And basically like his whole fact is like, hey, you know what? This film is not cursed. What this film is um, responsible for is it reflects is a studio that cuts corners yeah. and didn't do things the right way and then somebody got killed like because of that and yep. so i i thought that and then it kind of you go over to the twilight zone episode where you kind of have a, a little bit of almost like an opposite reaction from from kane hotter of all people now that's I, what i'm saying yeah <laughs> which was funny because i mean i guess maybe like it's easy for him to think like all right well, well i at one point my hubris got the best of me and i lit myself on fire and like yeah. almost died uh, that was all him and not anybody else. Um, when I was hearing the stories, that, like, he got burned doing a stunt. I always thought it was a movie stunt, but not like a publicity stunt. Uh, no, so he was just doing it for a local newspaper. Yeah, yeah or a local news, yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, like, I just, of all the times. But, so it was very interesting to me, but the whole, I, I think the whole behind-the-scenes story of, like, John Land is basically violating, like, the child labor rules. He knew yeah. that. That's, that's what I think really got me... Yeah. thinking about it and looking at it in a different light as well. It's like, this guy knew the rules. He knew he was circumventing the rules by grabbing people off the street. He did that. He did in tragedy. How are you not liable? Like, in any I was just saying, form, the fact like, that he walked away from that without any sort of yeah. lawsuit on his hands specifically, and like... And, and, how in, he's, the, and, and the penalty amount of money that he had to pay, I was like... It's like nothing. A couple hundred thousand dollars. I thought like, the same thing. I was like, I know it was a long time ago, but dude, that seems... <laughs> 
like such a fucking weak amount of money for no, what happened. Totally. Like, I mean, you, you, and that was in fines. I don't even know, like, if anyone would have been paid out to their families or, you know, whatnot. I mean, maybe that's an undisclosed settlement that they, they don't talk about. But yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, I always knew that John Landis, like, was one of those directors, like, that pushed you hard. Like, or mm-hmm. so I heard. Um, but after watching it, I was like, I, I just don't know how he got away, like, without any well, what- any type of, like, any type of further, I don't know how his career continued to grow. And That's what I'm saying, like, how he continued to work after that is, is boggles my and, mind. And the other guy that was being interviewed was like, that was, I was at the top of my career, and it was over after that. Yeah. Like, no, I feel like, like that yeah. guy took, took the brunt of it more than anybody else. Yep, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that says it was, you know, it's it it's a case of you know I don't, I don't like with Kane Hodder like I understand like he doesn't I, I, this almost sounds like I'm insulting Kane Hodder but like Kane Hodder wants to still work he's still you know I'm sure he wants to one day possibly work with John Landis um, but at the same time I do see what he's saying like again like. They, in, in the case of stunts, things are going to happen. Yeah. There's just going to be, you can't plan, like in most cases that you can't plan for things. But in this scenario, there seem to be so many factors. And again, if you, I mean, if you take the people in the, the movie, in the documentary at their word, how much Dick Morrow actually voiced of his concern that he didn't want to do it. He felt like carrying the kid was, was too taxing on him. Yeah. Um, there's just so many things, red flags where you're like, this shouldn't have happened, but yeah, what? I just would think at some point, like in knowing like, and, and you can see it because they were showing the film, like how close those, those uh, explosions were getting. Yeah. Like you would think at that point, like number one, like people would be like, no, no, like cut, you know, like don't, this is going to get like, this is going off too close. Like cut the scene, like don't do it. Um, but just the idea, man, I just, it made me sick to myself. I think of like, you know, when the helicopter crashes, like. Oh, and the, the idea, fact that it's on camera. That, yeah. It's on camera. And you can actually people, watch it happen. I mean, yeah. you can't really see it. No, I mean, everybody's underwater, but still the idea, like you see that go down and you're like, that, that just has to be a grisly, yeah. grisly mess. Like, and am I saying, you know, what they're saying is they're cut in half and that's, Kind of by a helicopter blade. That's a fucking terrible way to go. I know, that's fucking one awful way to go. <laughs> you know, especially like based on like how he was carrying the kids and stuff. Just uh, yeah. yeah, it was a very tragic thing um, to see it happen. You know, it really got me the most about that. It was fucking Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, number one, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if Lloyd Kaufman was just dressing that way out of like. It, because uh, he's being like he was filming. Yeah, no, that's yeah. just uh, okay. Because I was like, I, I'm like, oh look, I didn't know that part. You read your book, and I didn't get any of that. But I mean, the fact that Lloyd Kaufman knows, you know, what I mean, like, and John Landis doesn't. I mean, I, I just, I don't know, to tell you, you know, just I know, no, exactly, grossly negligent. But I mean, what are you gonna do? It's you know, yeah, the guy still worked. By the way, too, before I make my next point, um, there's actually a documentary about King Hodder, like his, uh, like an autobiographical documentary that he he produced. Oh, I heard about that. I haven't watched. It's really good. You should definitely check it out. Um, Really goes into like his like the trauma that that accident caused him. But so the one thing that I did want to say about the crow, which by the way is horror adjacent, (laughs) um, is uh, you know for a long time a lot of people have believed a. 
quote unquote curse of Bruce Lee, which, you know, it's, it's fun. You know, it's like, it's always fun to have the spikes of fancy, but give me a break. But one thing I really liked about the documentary was the painstaking efforts that they went through to show, because I remember when that happened and like for years online, people like, you know, like a blank isn't enough to kill you from that. Like you'd see all these fucking armchair, uh, you know, scientists yeah, like, online yeah. uh, who were trying to, to defend the fact that it was like either a hit or it was a purpose or it was a curse that how the, the how they showed you like no this is fully possible you know that like the damage that like can happen from you know like, even from a blank and how you know the whole process whatever and i was like thank like i'm glad they because i know they wanted to the producers were sort of like you know in the sake of fairness and justice like we need to show that like this isn't you know it sounds like a weak theory but no it's really what happened and let's show you how dangerous that shit is and like the fact that just missing that one component of not checking the barrel, like, you know, it's, and it's unfortunate. And like, you know, I was the perfect, like, I was a huge fan of, of the James O'Barr comic. I was a huge fan of uh, Showdown Low Tokyo and Rapid Fire. Uh, that, you know, you understand, like, I was as invested with that movie as anybody could have been. At the, I was the right age, like, you know, I was a teenager, comic fan, big fan of the subculture. Um, so, you know, when the whole thing happened, it was a big deal to me. Like, you know, I remember being devastated. And I, I don't, I'm not the kind of person, like, you know, people sort of project themselves onto, like, the deaths of celebrities or whatever. It wasn't even necessarily the death of, of, of Brandon Lee. It was the wasted potential. Because you knew this guy could, it was just on the verge of being, like, the next step in his career. And, um, you know, again, also like you know James O'Barr, uh, who maybe notoriously a little like uh, unapproachable and cantankerous. Maybe not cantankerous, but just not the most sociable guy. That guy's had a hard life. So you know, it was you know a movie that was created based off of a comic about losing his wife. Um, you know, that poor dude just suffered so much tragedy. And at the end of the day, like that's what that it's not a curse, it's just a tragedy, man. Like yeah. so many people in that movie in that production suffered. And you know, um it sucks. And like I said, Michael the Michael Berryman thing. I still I don't know if it was Wizard magazine or if it was Fangoria, but I remember a, a magazine when the movie was coming out, like they had a shot of because in the comic it's a big much, you know, it's a bigger deal in the comic. Yeah. And you know, I was like, Oh, that's so cool, they're gonna include that. And then when you set out the movie none of it was in there it makes you know obviously what pawn you know it makes more sense because they're so like he would have had to have interacted with the skeleton cowboy so much but anyways um really interesting actually weirdly like of the five you know i you know i i really enjoyed the first three but i think the two last ones caused me the most amount of uh like I, I thought about the last two episodes more yeah. than i did the, the first three like I, I actually really thought about it after watching it um little more effective um but yeah anyways I'm, i mean i'm happy for shudder because they've had their, their last few originals have been really well done and, and really well received and you know somebody who's who's been a subscriber said pretty much since they launched um i'm glad that like people are watching and it's getting good you know and again really well made it deserves whatever praise it gets yeah. But so yeah, I'm I, I I'm hoping that everybody who listens to this podcast goes out immediately and watches it if you haven't already because they're fucking really well done. Is there any more? Is there? Do you know if there's any more in this season? 
I think it was just the five. Because I think when I, they first said it, I think it was just the five they talked about. I mean, maybe more, but I think it was just the five The five movies that they talked about were the five that they put out so far. So there might be more, but those are the, literally the only five I remember them talking about. No, that's that's all there is. That's a bummer. I like him. I like I like watching my third But you know, it's one of those things where I, I can see myself going back and rewatching and revisiting yeah. those episodes. Um, and, and definitely, like, if I know somebody hasn't seen him, sit down and watch with them. Um, I actually watched another. I'm just going to go through the rest of these a little bit quicker. Sure. Um, I watched a, a, um, uh, a Dick Miller documentary. I'm a huge Dick Miller fan. I remember every single Joe Dante movie growing up. He'd always be in it. And I always thought he was Futterman. It's a very um, Futterman. Yep. Um, um, and one of those movies, well, actually, one of his movies, one of the movies talked about that, I'll actually bring up uh, in our discussion tonight. But it was a great documentary. You know, he's one of a kind, the quintessential uh, character actor. Um, one thing I, I want to talk about was uh, I started rewatching Penny Dreadful. I'm excited about the new season coming out, and I loved Penny Dreadful for the first 99% of it. It has, still to this day has the most infuriating fucking finale I've ever seen. Um, there's so more much than Lost. There. More than Lost. More than Game of Thrones. More than any. It, wow. I, even thinking about it right now, I'll start to get heated. I feel like there's so many missed opportunities there. But I'm I'm gonna watch it just so I sort of you know okay. one at this at this point I need the distraction. Um, but so the last thing I want to talk about is this. Uh, so as of this week, I'm trying to watch a new movie I haven't seen before. This week's was The Midnight Man, and I turned it off like 40 minutes into it. It's the one with uh, it's, it's not Jessica Biel, right? Like she's not in that, is she? Yes, she's is she? yes. yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to, and I didn't turn off with the intention of not finishing it. I'm going to force myself to finish it. But uh, here's the thing. I fucking hate creepypastas. Um, <laughs> I hate them. They're all like, they're so fucking one dimensional. And they, they literally, every single creepypasta just reeks of a juvenile mind's attempt to be scary and come up with something scary. And most of them are, are stupid. And this movie was the perfect, it was like the quintessential version of that. Like the opening was great. I actually thought the opening was pretty, pretty well done. Um, and then it just turns into vanilla. It has no personality. The everything, the music has no personality. The fucking actors have no personality. And it's just like, God damn, this is such a quintessential modern horror movie. Like, like for that all movie, the uh, reasons. It's like that movie, The Bye Bye Man. It, it's exactly like that movie, uh, The Bye Bye Man. Which sucks, because that had Doug Jones in it, and I love yeah, Doug Jones as, I a, as an actor, but, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, that was... I'll, I'll finish it just because I want to finish it, but I think you just need to stop. Like, creepypastas are the fucking worst. Like, the thin... Like, was it the thin man? The Slender Man. Slender Man. Fuck that guy. Fuck that sight with Psycho. Or John, Johnny the Killer, whatever. Or oh, the All rabbit? Those, oh, like the rabbit? Like, no, like, there's this like, guy with, like, big eyes, and I don't know. All those creepy posters are stupid as shit. If you're listening to this and you're, if that's solely a millennial thing, it may, they're all stupid. Like, I don't know if you've seen it or not. I actually really liked it. Uh, I don't know if you watched the documentary Cropsey. I did. I liked the, the and, documentary. Uh, did you see yeah. the, the follow up, like Killer Legends? I did. I watched that too. I, yeah. See, I like that too. Like, Urban Legends, great. Like, I love Urban Legends. Um, but when you get into things like, yeah, to creepypastas, like, I personally do not get them at all. 
No, and the thing um, is, I I've I've I read a ton of them because when I first heard about them, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Kind of like the the internet version of a urban legend. Yeah. But once you read them all, you're like, this is all this is literally done by like some tryhard 16 year old who thinks this is what scary is, I, and I none one, of it is scary. I remember it was like creepy pasta, the Rugrats dark theory that everybody's dead. dead. It's just, and I'm like. That's not scary. That's like, mm. that's like. I mean, I, you can make a guess like that in any TV show. You know what? Yeah. All that shit is like. That's a perfect example. Like with that, that those those are more like internet theories. But like that's like shit you talk about when you're high, like and you're hanging around <laughs> your friends. You're like, what if all those kids are dead? Yeah. Like it's. What's really funny? What it gets me is like the guy who created Slenderman came out and was like, "This is totally fake. Like I just created this as a lark," and people still believe it. Like that's the thing is like people still like Slenderman's out there. Like. No. no, the guy who created it said he's not out there; that he does not exist. Well, like you are well, not going to will Slenderman to existence. Like there's so you know, much of that aspect. Kick him in his of... slender dick. That's <laughs> a song. My um, uh, he's my nephew. He's my step nephew. We'll just say he's my nephew. He's a great kid. But I remember he when he was um, probably around nine or ten, he was obsessed with Slenderman and all that stuff. And just like I don't know. I mean, the fact that it appeals to kids of that age, anyways, should kind of already tell you the quality of the creativity of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is, and like, I was willing to give this movie a chance. Um, but it's just and again, it's not. It, it's not just the, the creepy possible thing. It's just a, just a perfect example of somebody with no vision, with like just everything is pink by numbers. And it's just like so forgettable. I I guarantee you, within two weeks of watching it, I will remember nothing about it. But that's also because I have an old man brain and I can't remember anything. But anyways, um, with that with that being well, you said, keep it, you keep in all the good stuff and you let out all that's the right. really bad stuff. That's that's what that's, that's how I like thing. to call it. Yeah, it, it's just a selective thought. That's <laughs> that's all. But exactly. Speaking about things that uh people murdering people that are non-supernatural. Um, we're talking about serial killer movies today. And James, I know you, and uh, I know <laughs> you have some rules around this. Yes, um, I do. I even put some rules around this as well, but I would be very interested to know what is the, uh, what is the Jimmy Dean, uh, Jimothy rules around serial killers that you have applied to this genre? Well, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, so oh, obviously you are. <laughs> so obviously, I mean, you know, I I brought up serial killer movies and people will automatically start talking about slashers and they are two totally separate genres. Um, I think for the number one, you know, if it's a serial killer, a serial killer, you want to wipe away any sort of supernatural elements, um, anything that's like, you know, you stab them and they fucking sit back up. Like, no, it has to be, you know, if you're talking about serial killer and I'm not, and they don't have to be based off of real serial killers. Although there have been some great movies about real serial killers, but they have to take on those, the same elements. Um, so they're human beings. They have to be portrayed as uh, such. Um, they have to be portrayed as, um, you know, uh, psychopathic human beings. Um, you know, I think if you start throwing masks on them, I'm already a little wary on whether or not if this is a true serial killer movie and not a slasher movie. But I mean, it kind of, sometimes it's borderline. Um, but yeah, my main thing is no, it's not a slash, like slashers are separate. So if it's a Jason, uh, even, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I would say is too, too fantastical. It just, it was all of the 
you know, I mean, it's based off of Ed Gein, but so, so loosely, loosely based, based off of Ed Gein. Um, but yeah, those are my, that's my biggest thing is I had to make sure they're different from slasher movies. Okay, perfect. All right. That is, that is exactly the criteria in which I approach this. So good. We're on the same page. Sure we are on we the usually same page. Are. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you know, no Leatherface, no Halloween, no Freddy Krueger, no Michael Myers, nobody supernatural. Um, That's right. And and I'm gonna say if you if you kill people in a very large quantity at one time, I'm gonna classify you as a mass murderer. Not a oh yeah, that's true too. too. And that I mean um, that's and that's that is separate from even uh, you know how criminologists differentiate. I mean, there's spree killers, there's mass murderers, and there's serial killers, and they are different different mo's. So I'll tell you, I'll start off with one of my personal favorites. Sure. Um, that I liked. Uh, good cast. It was a uh, it was copycat. Copycat. I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, all right. You got to put that on your list of. Uh, I watched that yeah. list of movies to watch that you've never it's, seen. The name um, is so not like who's in it. It's a uh, Sigourney Weaver. Um, it's got a uh, uh, what's his name? Harry Connor <laughs> Jr. Oh, I, have, I think I have seen this. Now, yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy Moroni came out in the mid-90s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, maybe I did see it, but go ahead and explain it. Well, no, I just, I, I was saw it, to me it was always very cool because it was kind of a, a serial killer that was monitoring himself off of actual, serial. like, serial killers. And, and uh, the idea that uh, Sigourney Weaver's character is gorephobic, so she can't really leave her home. Um, and they're investigating these, but she's kind of, obviously very broken and and can't leave but she's trying to help like figure out like who these serious killers are and like what they tie into um i just thought it was it was actually really well done um harry Connick jr i am not usually a fan of his but he is the creepiest redneck motherfucker like <laughs> i've ever seen uh he talks about stiff and sigourney weaver's panties it's a oh yeah he's, a, he's an obsessed that. fan um yeah yeah, it, it was good though. I, I would say, like, in the vein of like serial killer movies that are kind of more traditional serial killers, um, I did I did like this one a lot when I was growing up. Kind of, kind of was one of my top ten favorite serial killer movies of all time. But if you haven't seen it, check definitely check it out. I think I, mean, I, think I might have, but I'll definitely rewatch it yeah. if I had. In, in, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I actually I put it on my list of like I, I got to go back and watch this now. I, I pop it in like every few years and. It's usually pretty good every time I watch it. It doesn't it age, age pretty well um, as well. Serial killers are always fascinating to me. So yeah. uh, I think things that are especially based off like real serial killers are always even more intriguing um, versus like the made up or fantastical ones, as you pointed out. Um, so, and, and not like loosely based like Texas Chainsaw, but like, you know, that yeah. have some factual elements um, in there I thought were pretty good. So well, I mean that's that's funny that you say that because the first one I want to talk about, which I do think is the quintessential horror movie about a serial killer, because a lot of times, and we'll we'll discuss this as it comes up, but I think a lot of times some of the best movies about serial killers are more of traditional thriller dramas that have horrific elements. I mean, if you have a serial killer and you're doing doing the serial killing any of it any justice. Uh, it should be horrific. I mean, what they did do is horrific. But um, but I think the, the the best true horror movie um is 
Henry Portuguese here. Um, <laughs> I'm so happy because this conversation could have gone one of two ways. Now it could have gone with Henry, which is what I thought you were going to say. Uh, like if I were talking to anybody else, they would have said uh, John Doe and seven. Oh yeah. Which um, we, we could, we'll definitely talk about seven. Definitely far more uh, in the fantastical realm, but we'll get, we'll talk about that. Okay, but, all right. Henry. Um, but Henry sorts of a serial killer, I still think is in the top three most disturbing movies ever made. Um, I think at the core of it, the emotional core of it, I think what the lengths that it goes to uh, is far more affecting than something like, say, a Serbian film. Um, the last shot in the movie is one of the most disturbing. When you think, if you're invested in the, in the, the story, you know, um, you know, it goes ter- I mean, it goes some awful, un- on, you know, stomach churning places um, when uh, Henry and, and um, I'm blanking on his friend, his like cohort. I, I know what you're um, thinking. Yeah, I, I can't think of his name. Uh, yeah, him and yeah. Otis go and, you know, they assault that, they, they invade that home and they assault, sexually assault the woman in front of her. Like, there, it goes to some horrific places, but, um, you know, when uh, Michael Rooker in this was like unbelievable. I mean, fucking unbelievableness you know like it's based off of henry lee lucas and um you know but it's still its own thing but i doubt you can definitely tell that worker kind of studied henry lee lucas but had a lot of his affectations um but the life you follow the movie and and like how otis's sister is trying to like is like legitimately care carry cares about henry and then the last shot with just the fucking luggage. And if you go through it, it's like, it literally, I remember seeing it, I was bummed for like hours after. <laughs> Cause it's just so like, oh, like after everything you go through the movie, all the horrificness. And, and again, a lot of it is, a lot of it's fictionalized, but a lot of it is based off of facts from, yeah. you know, Henry Lee Lucas. But what a fucking masterpiece of a movie, especially when this movie came out because nobody was making movies like that at the time. No. Um, I will say, honestly, it's, it's probably out of all Michael Rooker's roles. That is probably the best role he's ever played. Yeah, which is which, which is kind of when you know it's like, oh Jesus, but um, it's definitely. Well, but he was so into it. I mean, that's the thing is yeah. like he played the character so well, and there was so much depth to that and, character. And that's, that's the thing is though, he it was so nuanced because um, again, like he's playing a psychopath, but there are moments of him where you start to see his humanity come through. You know, and he's a very withdrawn character. Doesn't. You know, anyways, it's, yeah, it's a great performance, very layered, um, very nuanced, and very real feeling. And that's ultimately why it's so disturbing is um, he feels like a real person and a really, like, fucking psychotic person. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously, like, there's going to be scenes in history, whether it's Irreversible, it's Clockwork Orange and stuff that shows, you know, some pretty horrific things, very, like, brutally and very upfront but um there's a you know when it like just like in clockwork orange when there's an element of humor to it or if, it, if you see people reacting to horrific things with no, like with complete not only just a lack of humanity but like they're enjoying what they're doing they're so fucking disturbing and it's so that's and it's infinitely more disturbing than any like you know slasher movie of like some dude going to town with a chainsaw like well let me ask you a question because we we were talking about earlier about tarantino uh tarantino's films mm-hmm. and, and influences so what are your thoughts on uh 
natural born killers? So, uh, first I'll tell you this. I, I don't like that movie. I didn't like it when it came out. Um, I think it's Oliver Stone's most self-indulgent movie. Um, I have friends that really liked it. Uh, I think I would have liked, much rather have seen Tarantino or, or a different director direct it. I mean, I think they're great. I mean, you know, Mickey Mallory are great, you know, um, uh, they're well, you know, they're, you know, the, uh, the, the actors are, you know, great actors. The, the performances are, are good. Um, I think as a movie though, I think it turned into another fucking Oliver Stone fucking jerk fest, uh, where he tried to put, you know, his own fucking post hippie fucking like post Vietnam war. Like, <laughs> uh, that movie is a uh, Roddy Dangerfield plays, uh, Mallory's dad, dad, the super creepy, uh, but I yeah. love Rob, Rob Rodney, so, but, yeah. but it's funny because I, the movie comes up a lot and I think it's actually kind of having a little bit of a re- reemergence. Um, uh, you know, um, Woody Harrelson, I, I remember when it came out and, you know, fucking people like, Woody Harrelson, what? And it fucking blew everybody away. Um, well, the only reason I heard it come up recently was just solely for the fact that they were talking about his upcoming role as Carnage. Yeah. In With Venom 2, and he plays a serial killer. Um, and so they're like, oh, well, like he has so much you know, experience being natural born killers, but. And I will say if you're like, too, like, cause I see a pop up on less and again, uh, they're actually, they're, they're not serial killers. They're throw killers. They're mm-hmm. on a throw kill. Uh, they're, they're, uh, you know, uh, uh, I mean, they're psycho- psychotics, but I mean, but it's, it, 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 I will say this, it was a very interesting movie for a very interesting time. Um, in the very like PC, yeah, the first wave of the PC boom in the 90s, um, uh, you know, like challenged a lot of people who said they believed in free speech and blah, blah, blah. But um, so for that, like historically, I think it's an interesting movie, um, but I would much rather have seen somebody else direct it and see what Tarantino's real vision was. But I think, I, ha- I think even Tarantino at this point has kind of disowned the script. Um, uh, if I, I mean, I could be mistaken about that, but I, I thought He's- I'd read he's had some connections like to his future films and based on like some characters in there. So I think he like maybe didn't directly play in that, like in the later stages, but like earlier stages, I think he was trying to kind of get that connection notoriety off of it. But yeah, I think at this point, like he doesn't consider as part of his Tarantino franchise. Yeah. Well, um, I will say this though. I mean, you know, I could see like um, in his script, you can definitely see like, you know, there's a definitely a sixties and, and seventies uh, influence in the script of like, what do you like kind of a, a, uh, an AIP kind of, you know, American international pictures kind of influence and kind of a retelling of Bonnie and Clyde. There's a lot of influences in the script, but like I said, I think Oliver Stone's version just became like some fucking, which, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll revisit, like, you know, I think like his, like, it's a commentary on, Western, yeah. You know, who knows? I think I think he falls up. I think Alverson falls up his own ass way too much for me to be a huge fan. Um, but uh, but it's an interesting. It's definitely an interesting movie. And I will say, I'm sure it gets on. If you if I were to pull up a Google list right now, the best serial killer movies would probably be in the top five. Um, what are your thoughts on? Um, just kind of getting your thoughts. When I when I think of serial killer movies, is it is hard because you're to your point. Um, you talk about 
um, kind of mass and being supernatural. But then I do look at other serial killers that are, are seem a little more whimsical, even though they're, there's none of that supernatural elements. And it makes me think of like Silence of the Lambs yeah. and the, the, the Hannibal Lecter kind of. So it's funny because I thought about that, of course, when you think about it. Um, and it's funny though, every time somebody says Silence of the Lambs, my brain immediately goes to Manhunter. Yeah. Uh, well, mine, mine too. Hey, before CSI, William Peterson. That was his, he was a Manhunter. He did a great job. Yeah, and I think, you know... And Brian I, Cox, too. Brian Cox, which was my mom. So, because Manhunter came out, you know, for people listening, there was, a, like, Manhunter came out before Science of Lambs. Brian Cox was the first fucking Hannibal Lecter. And my mom thought Brian Cox was genius in it. In fact, Manhunter was one of my mom's favorite movies. Um, you know, Tom Noonan is in it. Fucking great. Um, but both of them are very similar in, in what they're doing. But, I mean, two totally different movies. And even though Science Land gets all of the love, which it deserves, it's a fucking phenomenal movie, of course. I do think actually Manhunter is a little bit more successful um, because it's less about Hannibal Lecter and more about, you know, the Red Dragon. As a, I mean, Buffalo Bill is the killer in Science of Lambs, but um, Red Dra- the Red Dragon is the killer in uh, Manhunter. But uh, they're both doing the same things. Um, they're both so outrageous. I mean, Hannibal Lecter is such a fucking unbelievable character that he is, he might as well be like a slasher character because he's just, he's like a fucking, he's so over the top with his, his intelligence and his uh, everything. But it, I mean, it, look, you know, and again, that movie, Sunshine comes up as, is a horror movie, is a thriller, blah, blah, blah. It's a good movie. They're both good. I mean, I'll watch both of them anytime they're on. Um, and they, I mean, they feature great serial killers because whether it is um, Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs or uh, I, I liked Red Dragon. I still think Manhunter is a better movie. I think way better. Uh, you know, Red Dragon had more from the book in it, but not to its credit. Um, it has a great cast, but I do think a lot of the <laughs> the cast was miscast. Um, uh, I think Tom Noonan's a much scarier Red Dragon than fucking Ray Fine. Ray Fine's a great actor, but sometimes great actors aren't the right people. Like Tom Noonan was a, I mean, in the book he's like a freak, button. so you know, uh, you know, in the movie the Red Dragon's is like he's like a giant basically, but in the books he's like he's like fucking the Ultimate Warrior. He's this jacked up beef like roided guy. That's not Ray Fine's. Ray Fine they tried to make him like he was a bodybuilder, and he was like, no, he's looking like a normal guy. Tom Newton's not a bodybuilder, but he's legit six seven and really creepy looking, and they went a different way with it. But um, I think the one thing I will give Silence of the Lambs credit for is actually the Buffalo Bill character more than the Hannibal Lecter character. Yeah, um, and, and I think that's like that was the disservice it did for all the other sequels is that it did follow up on this this idea of following Hannibal Lecter and not following. Other and that's why I was yeah. really intrigued to hear that they were doing a uh, they're doing a show that's supposed to be based on Clarice Starling's character called Starling. Yeah. And um, so I was like, well, maybe that will actually get us more of like the episodic, like you know, kind of serial killer of the week like type situation in there versus like focusing. I, I just really hope that uh, as much as I really like the TV show Hannibal, um, mm-hmm. I thought it was that was really well done uh, and. Um, Mars Madden's uh, character, he 
does a really good job as Hannibal. Um, he's just a great actor. Yeah, like, he is just a great actor, period. I just, you know, I like Hannibal Lecter. Like, I think to your point, is it a horror? I, w- I wouldn't classify it as horror. It's, it's horrific stuff. But I, I, to me, it's always been like thriller, suspense, like dramatic. Um, yeah. And I think you find that with a lot of really decent serial killer movies too. There is this element of drama and suspense that's tied along with it. Like I wouldn't classify it as like straight horror. Um, that's you want that. You get your slashers, right? You get your yeah. thrill killers. Like you get your maniacs. Like. But, well, I will but, say my favorite movie that will be. I will you know, wrap up the end of this discussion with my favorite serial killer movie of all time. The farthest thing from a horror movie. It has very tense moments and it's one of, um, I'll talk about when I get there, but yeah, absolutely. It's very hard because, uh, especially because if, if you're being historically accurate, um, most of the time you're, it's going to fall more into a biopic style uh, you know, thriller drama than it is a horror movie. I think, you know, there's, there are interesting movies that sort of like kind of cross the line or like sort of ride the line, um, like Henry Fortress Serial Killer. Um, you know, one of the earliest movies, in fact, it might be the very, I think because it predates Psycho. Um, you mean Tom? Is Peeping Tom. And, you know, it's a fucking really disturbing movie. Like, I, you know, I can't talk with you know people under the age of twenty about horror because I, I just can't. But yeah, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure if an eighteen if you, an eighteen year old watch Peeping Tom right now, they fucking fall asleep ten minutes into it. But you know, I saw that movie in my thirties and fucking you know, it's a very effective movie, very definitely very influential, very influential. Um, uh, but again, you know, just a you know just a fucking killer, just a, a voyeur killer like. Um, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure, you know, not unlike a million actual real cases, you know, it's, it's the style of the film, the stalking, hu- stalking, hunting style of the film that was really influential. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one of those, it's like, it's, it, I would consider it a straight horror movie, even though it's, again, it's nothing outrageous. It's just, again, it's about how the film is made. Um, but with that, you can also talk about Psycho, which is Psycho, a serial killer movie. I mean, he, Norman Bates is a fucking, he is a... I would say, I mean, I, I guess, like, I mean, I don't know. I just... Um, Isn't he a thrill kill? I, I, feel like, I feel like he is a, I guess he's a, to me, he's like a killer circumstance because he doesn't ever leave his, yeah. and he originally doesn't ever leave his location to kill people. Like, he's yeah. not a compul- that, that much of a compulsion that he, um, like, goes out of his way to do it. I, it's a you know, almost a crime of, I don't want to say necessity, but. Well, I mean, it, it, he's a, he, I mean, the title is, says what he is. He is a psychopath. He, <laughs> he has vision, like, yeah, again. I mean, he's got, off, split, I mean he's got split personalities. He's, it's he's, based he's, off yeah. of Ed Gein, very loosely based off of Ed Gein. Yeah. Um, more, uh, more than, but, more than Texas Chainsaw, I'll say that much. Like, um, I mean, they're both, like, yeah. I mean, there's both so far. Yeah. I mean, there's element, some have closer elements than others, but, um, you know, with, with Ed Gein, you know, he did have an obsession with his dead mother, you know, yeah. as Norman Bates. He had a house full of bones as Texas Chainsaw. There are minor things, but, but it's interesting. I'd definitely say it's a very influential movie. Um, I think many people, he's not a thrill killer because he's not doing it for the thrill of the kill. He's doing it because he's a, like, almost like he's a compulsion to kill. 
mm -hmm. um, which is what psycho like what serial killers usually have. They have that compulsion. Um, serial killers do it for the the rush and because of uh, usually some uh, boiling rage. Um, but um, definitely, I mean, definitely a very obviously it's Psycho. It's one of the most influential films ever made. But uh, you know, what, uh, Hitchcock does. Uh, he actually has another really great film which I uh, really appreciate. So it's called Frenzy. Yeah, yeah, Frenzy's great. Yeah, which uh, is the London serial killer, which I, I always think like in the vein of like, if I had to compare the two, obviously Psycho is way more influential, but I think if I were like kind of bucket them together, like serial killer, I would consider Frenzy more of a serial killer movie than I would Psycho, but I think Psycho does a trick. I mean, that's the thing is like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where else to classify it, if not in the serial killer genre. Um, it's just, to me, it comes to mind, but it doesn't come to mind at the same time. It's just this weird dynamic that I think of when I... Yeah, absolutely. I agree that. with you. I think, so, if yeah. anything, it would be like, just you would consider it a normal thriller. I think the, the thing in my brain that kind of makes me lean towards serial killer, and I think maybe a lot of people, is the fact that, it, like I said, it was based off of the, the Ed Gein murders. Um, but I definitely say, like, of the films... It's so, I mean, the thing is, like, it's a masterpiece of act of, of directing. Obviously, everybody knows that. But I think even more than that, what gets lost in that is, it's just a fucking masterpiece of acting. And I think Norman Bates is such a fucking three-dimensional character, and almost had like I said, there's an empathy there, there's a humanity there that you hardly ever see in those sort of roles. So, um, you know. Regardless of whether or not it's a serial killer movie, it's a great movie, and I definitely think it's an influential movie on the genre. So for that reason, it, you know, definitely has some place on the list, has some place in the in the canon. So yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I mean, I guess if you want to look at it in the vein of the Psycho movies, then yes, like you, you have why Norman Bates a serial killer because he does do it again, and I mean, he pushed. Uh, a bit pushed in the second one, and then obviously the, the future ones as well. I mean, he kills mother. He has. I guess you consider like an MO, um, you know, he, he does kill, he does kills, he kills systematically. So um, yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's a, he's a serial killer. I just know? realized though, I think, I mean, because we said that, that Peeping Tom was the first, but I think Fritz Lang's M is the, I mean, that's a serial killer. It's a, it's a, the whole thing is a hunt for a serial killer. Um, and I think, I mean, is that, I mean, was there anything before the 30s as far as that goes? Like, No, I think you're right. That was 1931. Um, but, I mean, that's that's one of the most, I mean, that's definitely, and, and I mean, it's a very, like. Do you think that was based on, uh, you think that was because uh, it was a child murder? you think that was based on Albert Fish? I never really looked into it. But. I've never heard that. I mean, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear, but I've never heard that. Hmm. But, I mean, fucking Pierre Lori is creepy as shit. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you are right. He is creepy as shit. Um, but, hmm. yeah, I mean, I think, like, you know, there's a lot of movies uh, we talked about on this podcast many times, like, uh, uh, like um, American Psycho, and there are all these contemporary movies that sort of try to, you know, um, you know, reinterpret what a serial killer is or tries to do something a little bit more unique. Um, but a lot of the movies that are based just like solely off of like whether it's the movie Dahmer or um, the Boston Strangler or there's a lot of these movies out there that are like just straight by op like trying to really um, you know tell you who like make like 
you know, like almost like a biopic of a serial killer. Like, like, awesome. like Monster with Eileen, with Charlotte yeah. Theron. I will say that's a good one, though. I will say Monster. No, I mean, I, she did a great job. Yeah. Uh, with the rest of them, I think they're usually missing something. Though. Like Dahmer is missing something. I, I don't yeah. know if people that like that movie, but I actually think My Friend Dahmer was is a more, yeah, it's oh, a yeah. much more interesting movie. Um, uh, but, um, when they have string of those two, like the BTK ones, yeah. Bundy, like, um, maybe it was so, not a fan of the Netflix Zac Efron one. But, there was uh, a, uh, yeah, like the, the Ted Bundy one, they thought, I was really looking forward to that, and I was so bored. I was like, this is not what I, I mean, it's not, it wasn't a bad movie, it just was like, I don't know, and again, it was like, it used humor in a lot of ways, which is interesting, an interesting way to go with that, but, but a lot of those movies, like, though, are like, kind of just, miss, they're missing something. Um, uh, where I'll, so I'll talk about it now, I guess, as I'm kind of leading into it. So I do think the greatest movie about a serial killer ever, it's my favorite, um, and it's not even the most accurate because there's the, the film has been picked apart a lot for not being very, uh, uh, kind of basing it off solely off of one source material, um, but it's Zodiac. Um, David Fincher's film is a fucking masterpiece. I watch it constantly. Um, the fucking cast is perfect. Uh, it's one of it's a beautifully shot movie. Uh, I literally can't say enough big good things about it. It's one of the movies that takes like it's a period movie that I feel genuinely takes like it. You know, yeah. it feels like the fucking time period. Um, like whether it's Mark Ruffalo or Robert Day Jr. or like the, anybody in the cast is so fucking good. Um, it's genuinely really creepy. Um, there's some moments of real intensity in that movie that really unnerved me. Um, uh, it's just a fucking mat. It's just a great, I mean, David Fincher. I mean, where Seven will say is like the fucking cartoonish movie. That is a great movie. If you don't like Seven, I mean, what do you need yeah. out of your movies? But I, I will say that is uh, that, uh, not very many films make me jump, but uh, I will say when they, uh, they find uh the guy, the drug addict, uh, chewed off his own tongue. Oh. I think he's he's dead, and he's not. I was like, yes. man, I, it gets me every time, and I know it's coming. So, uh, I mean, seven is the sword dick. Went, yeah, so I was gonna say, and like, because it's not. I mean, even that concept, you're like, oh my god, that's a fucking hard. That's a that's a rough mental image. But even like the get it off, like the guy who's like screaming and getting it on. It's just oh, yeah. fucking seven is a masterpiece. It is. It's a great movie. It's you know we talk. We talked talk about The Crow earlier, but I think even more of the era than The Crow is Seven. I mean, oh, yeah. the fucking, the theme, so, or the um, score, all of the fucking soundtrack. It's uh, pretty, it's rainy. It's pretty. Yeah. It's, but um, no, it's I, constantly raining. Yeah. But I love, I fucking, I mean, what in the box? I mean, there's so many memorable aspects of that movie. Um, you know, I think, I think David Fincher as a filmmaker definitely matured. But that in no way means that Seven is a bad movie. I, I'll watch no. Seven all the time. No, I think uh, I agree with you about Zodiac, though. It's, it's probably one of my, it's in my top five. Um, and I think it is one of those movies that is even much more disturbing because Zodiac is a serial killer that was ever captured, you know? Um, and obviously at this point, he's probably very long dead. Um, at least I would hope. Um, you never know. I mean, but... Um, it is one of those ones that's that's always had an air of mystery around it and never been solved. And there's a ton of conspiracy theories on it. So yep. um, it is very easy to, it's one serial killer that's very easy to kind of go down the rabbit hole on. Um, 
And, and I think that's that's kind of the the element that I love best about the Zodiac movie is it is about somebody that's going down a very dark path. You know, um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character is great in the movie. It's one of my all time favorite Robert Downey Jr. movie performances. Yeah, uh, performances. Um, he does a great job, and yeah, I think Mark Ruffalo as well. Um, is fantastic. I think just to your point, it's a very, uh, to me, it's a very more grounded in reality and mature version of Seven, but it's just as aesthetically pleasing and like gritty. And, Absolutely. You know. And again, it also, we it, it kind of ignited my love for Jake Gyllenhaal. And that's why when people say they hate Jake Gyllenhaal or, or have the fucking balls and audacity to say that Jake Gyllenhaal's not a good actor, I'm like, you can suck a thousand dicks. First off, believe I'm in if you've never seen the movie Nightcrawler, then you can sh- shut the fuck up because Jake Gyllenhaal gives the best performance of the last 20 years in that movie. Criminally underrated. He's a fucking phenomenal actor. But uh, a, you, you can't win if you don't play. That's right. You can't win if you don't play. So I actually was living in, in San Francisco when um, Zodiac came out, and I actually got to see it at the California Theater in Berkeley. Um, and they actually had the theater, the California theater is a very small, like, I think it's got two screens, maybe two or three screens, little theater in Berkeley, um, Berkeley, California. And the whole lobby was a museum about the Zodiac killer with actual evidence presented in the fucking display. Not like a copy of letters, actual fucking letters he had sent to uh, the newspapers and like you know other kind of like it was so fascinating but i remember i I saw it with a group of friends we left the theater and i i had a feeling i i never get coming out of a movie where it's just like i was almost obsessed with the subject matter but i couldn't stop playing the movie itself in my head and it was actually when we got out it was like a cold night and then you know it was uh i don't know it was just a very it was it was actually a very uh, it was an experience uh, more than just having seen the movie, but it's one of those movies that you can watch a million times. Yes, it, it follows too closely to, I'm trying to think of the uh, the guy's name, the book, Zodiac, the Zodiac, the book that came out at the time um, in the 70s based off of the main character, which people say is filled with holes and logical gaps and stuff, but it doesn't matter. I don't, I'm not watching it. It's not a fucking news article. It's not a documentary. It's a movie. And as a movie, I fucking, I can't say enough good things about it. Robert Graysmith. Robert Graysmith, thank you. Yeah, that is, if, if you're going to end this show on a, on a yep. high note, Zodiac is that high note, people. Check it out. And you were absolutely right. If you, if you have not seen Nightcrawler, I don't know where the fuck you've been. Uh, put down Bubble, on Netflix. Put down Bubble Boy. I think and, so. <laughs> uh, and go watch, uh, though I love Bubble Boy, uh, go watch yourself some uh, Zodiac. And Donnie Darko. Like, yeah. Donnie, like, Donnie Darko is a badass movie. Like that's how that was my intro to Jake Gyllenhaal, and like, and you know, like teenage me was like, yeah, Donnie Darko's the shit. That's like yeah. that's real cinema, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Fucking it. and watch. That's all I'm saying. Right yeah. there. Oh too. fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. Dude. Yeah, that movie. I just rewatched that like maybe a month ago, and yeah, it man. still fucks me up. My, Michael Pena, man, I'm telling you, it's a badass movie. Yeah. Um, it's like so. Training Day, but oh, I think it's, it's the same director, right? Or the same writer? Something like that. The guy that yeah, used to be a cop. Shit. Anyways. Um, yeah. Michael Pena, too. Underrated. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Oh, good. He's so yeah. good in that. Like, such a real, like, we, such a real dude. When they get in there, at the very beginning, when he scraps with that dude in, that, in, in his apartment or whatever, yeah. and they don't arrest him, it's like, so, anyways, it's a great movie. But, yeah, I mean, 
Uh, one more movie that I do want to talk about because it just it had such a huge effect on me is the movie Man Bites Dog. Um, uh, have you ever seen movie. it? Yes. Yeah, dude. Like it's it, and again, it was really fucked me up. I think the whole concept of mockumentary, like, kind of. Yeah, a great mockumentary, and the the concept of like this really charismatic psychopath, and the fact that it's French too kind of adds its own weird thing. But the fact that like the filmmakers get caught up and start to like get involved in the actual violence themselves is very like. It's, it's a scathing, you know, criticism on, like, investigative journalism and, and that kind of thing and sensationalism. And it was a great fucking movie. You know, definitely a serial killer movie. Um, I, and I will say, if we didn't have that movie, we would not get Mark Duplass's, uh Creep at all. Because I feel like that is, to me, yeah. I, I always watch Creep and I'm always like, this is definitely a direct influence on Midnight's Dog, just in the modern era. And that is also a creepy as fuck serial killer as well. Um in a very different man and like vein, but uh, still equally creepy. Oh yeah, that definitely that should be on this list. Creep, creep definitely yeah. should be on this. That's list. A definitely an honorable. We'll put that on the I list. I mean, the fact, honorable that, mention. the fact that you know you have a uh, what is it? Snuggle face? What the fuck is it? Oh, uh, oh like Snagglepuss? Was it Snagglepuss? No, something. Uh, the wolf. It's a wolf face. It's wolf mask thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a. It's where I start to get a little eye rolly, but it's still a great movie. And Mark, like, <laughs> yeah. they're great filmmakers. He's a great actor. So um, golf was that there, bud? What's up? What kind of cough was that? Uh, it's the the it's the uh, COVID nineteen cough. Is that what you're alluding to? <laughs> Is it, he, you know, he's got COVID eighteen. It's okay. COVID eighteen. Exactly. I got last year's model. I got eighteen point five. That's right. I can't afford COVID nineteen right now. Exactly. <laughs> I only have to get a lesser model. Well, fellas, man. What, what is going on with y'all? Y'all are just killing it lately. On fire. On fire these fucking episodes, man. I'm just taking a sit back. I'm just listening. Um, but I, I definitely, definitely uh, I appreciate y'all's intake on serial killers. And I'm sure uh, I'm sure everyone else enjoyed it as well. Um, any last thoughts before we go? Um, Jimmy, I'll let you go first before I say mine. Well, I mean, obviously, like in this day and age, we have whole like networks devoted to true crime, and there's a ton of actual true crime documentaries and shit out there. Um, but sometimes it's really great just to let like fiction be fiction and let you know like filmmakers make a good film. Um, with that being said, though, on the subject, if you got if our listeners are out there and want a really good recommendation of something that's not a movie, um, it's Netflix's Mindhunter. Um, one of my favorite fictionalized versions of i mean it's just a fucking great tv show unfortunately david fincher is a cocksucker and isn't going to uh, make the third season because i forget what other bullshit that he's doing uh that's not nearly as interesting but anyways the first two seasons of manhunter on netflix probably one of the best things ever done on the subject and the highest recommendation possible which one was your favorite of the seasons or oh, the, the, oh, just the people they the they interviewed oh um Oh, I don't know. That's hard because the set. Um, I mean, uh, I think the biggest character, and I'm blanking on his name. Um, Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper, yeah. I mean, yeah. first of all, the act, the, to get find that actor, to find a legitimately dude who looks like that, who can act his ass off and and actually portray Ed Kemper is very, like, kudos to that. If you watch the YouTube interview... Like of Ed Kemper, Ed Kemper. Like one, and then you you do Mine Hunter. It is chillingly. Yes, but yeah. even I mean, there's um, like first off, it's Mine Hunter has the best, even though he's only on screen for like five seconds or five like maybe a few minutes. 
of all the fictionalized um, uh, Charles Mansons that have ever been in film or television, theirs is the most perfect. The, the, the look, the guy's mannerisms, perfect. There have been a ton of Charlie Mansons in television history. Theirs is the best. But even the, anyways, the show is great. Everybody's great. I think Ed Kemper, just because he's such a large in life character and a real person, is really interesting. Um, but I do think uh, there's a, they nail it. Um, all their other portrayal of all of the serial killers they've done so far have been amazing. Yeah, no, to- totally agree. Um, I'll just like to leave people with this note that, uh, that there are a lot of uh, undiscovered serial killers out there and your odds of walking past one on the street are pretty, uh, are not too bad. So um, <laughs> it's probably a good time to be practicing social distancing just for the fact that you are probably, your safety is increased as well for not having to run by serial killers that you don't even know exist. So um, for, think about that before you swipe right, right or left, um, just throw that out there. And for, and for more tips and tricks, boys and girls, uh, to how to avoid serial killers. All you have to do is follow us on Spotify and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. And as always, tell your mom, tell your grandma, tell your dog, this is the Texas Podcast Massacre. For Dirty Derek, Timothy James Dean, I'm Tank Rodriguez, and we'll see you on the next one. Later. Peace. So good. So good. Can you steal my <laughs>